We hey, are hey. live. What is up? What's going on, E? I have moved my studio to the basement. Uh-oh. That's usually a bad sign. I got kicked out, man. <laughs> <laughs> rent, got, rent got too high up, upstairs. Yeah. I got. I started class this week, so uh, this is nice and quiet down here. It's my own little lair. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I figure it's easy easy to just roll into hanging out here and and, sh and schmoozing. Um, you schmooze down there. You do you? Yeah, I can schmooze. You know? <laughs> I see you've added some art behind you. This this plant, this planet Earth. Yeah. Well, we took down that like crazy looking thing, and yeah, it's another Natasha Thompson original. As is all the art. <laughs> <laughs> it's Earth. It's Earth. You know, it's Earth, and and we like Earth. We love so, Earth. I mean, it's very. It's a hot topic. It's a, it is a hot topic. <laughs> how uh, how was your getting first hotter class, every man? day? Oh, ooh, I didn't even realize the wow. double entendre wow. that I was running into there. Ugh. So yeah, we have a we have a great show today. We really um, do. We have uh, the one and only King Bricks. A real renaissance man, incredible producer, DJ, educator, professor, um, and yeah, we uh, are so excited to talk to him about a bunch of stuff, Afrofuturism, the Philly scene, his work with DJ Predictable Planets, one of our favorite rap groups of all time. So. I think it's up. I think it is my favorite rap group of all times, personally. It's, 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 so. it's, a, it's, it's hard to decide number one, but it's a top three. That I just like can remember sitting there in high school in class and I would wear a hoodie and then like feed one of the earbuds like up my sleeve into the palm of my hand like this. Like I'm tired. But really, I just be bumping that Walkman listening to yep. Devil Planets. Yep. That's yep. the best. Oh, Lars Berenroth in the Lars house. In the yep, house. Lars. We also have uh, Toki Monster. This Bam. whole thing started because, well, we'll talk about it with Toki. She's coming up. We just did a remix for her, and um, we're going to chat about that a little bit before we get in with yep. King. That came out last week. Yeah. And uh, it's hot. Before it's hot we talk way. anymore, let's run that intro. Hit it. Hit it. This is something special for you. Schmooze. Schmooze. So, so, that's it. Just does Whoa. not get old. That intro. Certainly not. I miss a deli. Look, I want to talk to you about delis real quick because we got mm -hmm. Zach the Bakers down here. Shout out to anyone in Miami. You got to check out Zach the Bakers. They have... Dun, 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 salmon bacon. Ooh. Salmon bacon croissant. Croissant. Salmon. Wait. Salmon. Cured salmon. Yeah. As a bacon. Right, right, right. No ham. It's not ham. Or crunchy. It's like crunchy. It's Sam. Spam. It's not spam. Spacon. Anyway. Spacon. Or maybe it's just a ham. Anyway, the point is, I'm not eating the pork, so gotta eat some salmon. Mm. Anyway, that just changed my whole weekend. I was just like, oh, got one of those. That's it. It's all like, you know, quarantine, quarantine luxuries. A sandwich might change your whole outlook on the world. Mm. 
maybe. I, I wish. I wish I could have a, a real deli sandwich. Although I had some, I had some friends who I sent to this uh, diner that's near us that had been closed for a long time. And they just reopened, and they got sandwiches, and they sent me pictures of the pastrami sandwich, and it looked absolutely incredible. Wow. Oh, Lewis, two plus two in the house. Um, should we? Should we? Uh, should we roll in with Toki? I mean, I, I kind of want to. I, I feel like it's my. I, I really want to keep at least touching briefly on, you know, racial justice stuff. When Come on, what's going on? Let's let's give us an update. I mean, what's, what's, what what are you learning this week? There's not a lot that we've learned, other than that, you know, the the cops who killed Breonna Taylor are still. Um, not even suspended. So that's like, that's something we got to keep pushing for justice for Brianna.org. Um, and then what's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Man. Um, that's pretty scary shit, man. Um, man, uh, you know, 17 year old self-proclaimed Blue Lives Matter and militia member shot two protesters. I mean, I don't think you can say that you're anything at 17, except for 17 and still figuring figuring anything out. So if you're 17 and you feel like passionately, you're probably not. You're probably just young. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I mean, right? I, it's just like that. Now it's like you have like, I guess at least he didn't go into his school and shoot his fellow students maybe more um, people would have died still it's just actually awful i mean look i mean we talked about this last week too but now it's you know our our so-called president out there going to kenosha going to kenosha to stoke the flames of of hate and violence um kind of scary stuff man kind of scary stuff Good time um Jacob Blake was the man who was shot seven times in the back there. And oh, I'm seeing something from uh, from Johnny, the producer, saying that his yeah. reports saying his classmates always feared that this guy was going to be a potential shooter. Here we go. Embraced. Embraced by white supremacist militia and encouraged by the police who gave him water and said, thanks, guys. Really appreciate you to all the armed white men that were out there um, last week. So, I mean, just... You know, let's uh, keep this in the forefront of our minds. Always, what's going on here, Ugh, and glad, what glad we can you. do for racial justice here in the U.S. Um, and you know, there's also Rave the Vote, which we're going to keep plugging because it's so important. That's and right. Tokyo's going to be on the last Rave the Vote, so this is a great segue. Yep. The next. Ep- well, yeah, but before, just you know, the next one's September eighth. September eighth. September eighth. That's the Black Madonna episode, and then Tokyo is coming on in October. Um, the... and she's coming in right here. Come on, let's get let's bring her in already. Come on, Toki, get in wow. here already. Ta-da! There you are. What were you, were you knocking or you know? I was just like waiting outside. Left. You know, it's like when you you're like waiting for your friend in the car. When you used to do that, and you'd be like, they just take like 15 minutes. You're just on your phone, like looking at stuff on Instagram, just waiting for your friend to come out. So that's what I felt like. I was just like on the cycle. Like, okay, whenever they're ready. Oh, Just let me in. <laughs> oh wait, whoops! I'm sorry. I screwed up. I said September 8th. I am wrong. September 11th, not September 8th. Nothing is going on September 8th, but September 11th, rave the, the next rave to vote. And That's then Tokyo, when, when's Tokyo on October? What? Just throw it out there. October, October 4th. October 4th. There it is. You know, <laughs> it's like let's this just is make like, up a date. 
Yeah, really. This is sort of like <laughs> augmented reality in a way. October oh, wait, 2nd. even <laughs> October second. This is this is uh, peanut gallery stuff, but that's yeah. okay. Toki, look at that view. When we now we did a little fun Instagram live the other day, um, but now we've got the zoomed out view, and this is like this elegante over there. Oh this yeah, goes, this is way yeah, better. It's like feng shuied out, and you know, I got a little program myself that you guys were on. So well, I was going to say that's how this whole thing started for for us working with Lost Resort on Schmoozin is because we were on your show, and they're like, "Hey, we like these guys." So <laughs> thank you, thank more. you for that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I think I don't know what I did, but thanks for coming on my show. <laughs> I hate those Instagram live things are just so horrid. They're just like this. I know. Like the footage is like this, and I had like you know I don't wake up very early for. I mean, mo like many musicians, I probably woke up at like eleven thirty, and I think you and I were chatting at twelve. So yeah. it's like oh, like Super feeling all groggy. weird and. <laughs> and then it like it's posted to your like Instagram profile. I'm like, I don't want to see that. It's so there forever. To, like, yeah, I'm just trying to find a way like <laughs> to ask some like ask Kelly like, how do I not have it on my profile? But it's there. If people dig deep enough, then they'll find it. Because I'm not ashamed of it. But then I don't like seeing like like an. It's like that's like half your face kind of zoomed in on your profile. Like. <laughs> yeah, and it's like this weird angle where it looks like like when your grandpa sends you like a selfie, or you're like, oh, yeah. it's, like coming from, my grandpa like, this, never this sent way. me a selfie. Uh, wait, what were you guys talking about on Instagram Live? We were we're, talking about no, we're talking about and... WAP. We're talking about WAP, but WAP. we're saying like wet ass plants. And I was thinking we're thinking of different ways to say like what could that mean? Like Just you know ignorant. Have really. you seen like um those memes about uh what is it like those kids bops like kid bops writers Bop trying it. to trying to like rewrite WAP for children, just like oh, like God. this and stressing and crying because they don't know how to change the lyrics into something less uh, less adult. So well, what ass parallelogram know. was another yeah, one that you had said? That was, uh, we, we talked about shapes for a little while. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then the banter off camera, it just got wacky, folks. Yeah. So, but I was trying to segue into talking about the remix. But oh, I'm just yeah. gonna be really literal. We did also <laughs> talk about a remix. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not. Oh, that was the whole reason. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Toki, when did your album come out? That was like, that was a few, three months ago, two months ago? Um, my album. Lost all track of time. It's all yeah. gone. I don't know. Um, it came out in March, maybe like, I said on, I think, oh yeah, March 20th, March 20th, oh 20, like 3 2020. And it was right when uh, the stay at home order kind of went in place. So it was like, five months. Very weird time, and you know, Ugh, it's just too strange. Yeah, it's hard because you put out an album and you can't tour it like you would. So you know, it it feels like it kind of falls into the ether a little bit more easily. But um, that's why I'm really glad that you guys had done this remix for me because you know, remixes are this wonderful opportunity to relive that album experience in a new way. And um, you know, each person remixing a song gets to give that piece of music a new perspective and breathe it, breathe into it, new life. And so. Yeah, sure. thank you guys for being a part of that and uh, sending me such an amazing remix and remixes. This is like options. Bam. Yeah, I know. Oh, we we, we were... pulled, pulled the Louis Vega on that one. You know, like Louis on, <laughs> on his releases is like eight different mixes, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I was, I, was, I was happy that Charlie had all those all those different versions. When, well, when we were. I was, busting, I was busting some chops because. Um, Cause like it was, it's unclear whether the remixes made it in this release or not. And I was like yeah. calling Toki out on Instagram live. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, what's, what's going on with this, but hopefully they figured it out. 
Um, but like, you know, like if you like the remix that we did, there might be more coming. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, I'll, yeah. I'll put you on the spot once again. Yeah, why not? <laughs> if it's but there, yeah, Tokyo no had a great response, Eli, which is that she's like, "Look, the music is meant to be heard," and I think that is so true. I really respect that outlook. Put it out there. If you yep. guys have songs, don't be shy. Share them with the world, because all you're doing is hiding your talent from everyone else. So. Yep. Yeah. People get so in their heads about music. They're like, I don't know if it's ready yet. It'll never fully be ready, you know? I think that's one of the lessons, like, I, when younger producers always ask, it's like, just finish songs. Finish songs. Even if you don't, like, just, like, move on. Get it done and move on. Like, try a new one. Keep putting it behind you and moving on. I think when we were first starting, that was, like, a big – I mean, obviously, there's still tons that were just never got done. But there's a lot. There was a lot of the process was just learning how to be like, this is done, and then start the next one, and be like, this is done, and then start the next one. A hundred. It's like um, at the point where a song is, it's never going to be perfect, but is it good enough? You know, is it like this is pretty, pretty good. This is like almost to the point of being perfect because you're not going to get that like that last little bit all the way in there. And sometimes it's just like, you know, this song is probably perfect to everyone else and they're not going to perceive anything that's wrong with it. So it's always Don't say that to a Virgo, though. Don't say that to a Virgo. (laughs) Well, look, you know what? Sometimes I think the ideas are beyond your, like, a producer's expertise or or their talent, you know? Sometimes it takes some uh, process of maturing to get closer to hitting the goal, you know? So sometimes Mm -hmm. I think maybe stuff floating around. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's... These are our babies. Do we want them to go off to college? You know, you want to keep them in the nest. Oh, man. Music babies. I always refer to music as babies, too. I'm like, because people will ask you a question like, what's one of your favorite songs you've ever made? And I'm like, well, it's like each song is your baby. You're not going to say like one baby's (laughs) better looking than the other. And it's like, oh, this is my ugly baby. You know, like it's all that they're all your babies. They're all going to be really nice when they always find the question to be kind of loaded. I'm not going to pick one. Maybe there's an ugly baby or two, though. It happens. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, after a while, you're like, you know, that baby. It was it was kind of ugly, you know, but <laughs> still love it. You know, you still love your ugly babies. You know, exactly. Totally. When you look back, when I look back on my daughter at like Uh-oh. two months old, I'm like, I thought she was the most beautiful thing in the world. She looks like a little alien. <laughs> oh, oh, Babies wow. are weird. Like real IRL, Ooh, like real weird. human babies are so strange in the beginning. Yeah. All animals. I was watching uh, this documentary called Pick of the Litter last night. And it's this cute family documentary about... Um, picking puppies and their journey to become a guide dog, like a seeing eye dog. So it's really cute. You get to see them when they're just born and they just look like little like giant rat things because, you know, they can't open their eyes. And I'm like, man, nothing comes out looking really cute. It's like they need like a grace period of two weeks before they get cute. They're, They're working to become service dogs, right? Yeah. And then some of them are like, they're not getting the cut. They're, it's called a career change when there's a dog on the way to become a seeing eye dog and they just don't show the potential and a little, too, little bit too much like a pet. They get a career change into becoming a regular pet. And oh, my goodness. It yeah. is tough. It's tough to be a seeing eye dog. I can't. I'd, I'd have a career change. I can't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would lead my person straight into traffic, you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't blame you. Unless, you know, are you saying that there's like a, a stake on the other side of the road or something? What's drawing you? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm the kind of dog that would just be like, like, I don't know, 
oh, mouse, and then like run at it, you know? <laughs> I've had a lot of dogs. I've never had, like every dog I've ever had has never been like really focused. I always Not like, when you're li- living next to a highway, that's for sure. Oh, no. Don't listen. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, man. But getting back to the music, though, it is an incredible remix, and I hope everyone listens to it. It is so good, and it's out on all the platforms. And again, really thankful that you guys uh, made this amazing tune. Are we going to listen to it quickly? We're going to pull up look in the background. Is that the plan? Do we send it to Johnny? We got it. We got it. it. Bam. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I love this POV. It's like I'm I'm on Spotify raising the volume. <laughs> I know I always feel like I want to reach over and like hook it or like but then you can't. Crank that volume, Johnny. Gotta give me some like the way you Reading through the comments right now. Ooh, that has a bigger bass drop when you're listening to it. Not this way. Secret that's been the baseline all along. Oh, roll that filter off. That's high pass, low pass. Oh, yeah, you know, low pass, a little pass, (laughs) a healthy pass. Healthy pass. What if you could do a pass on anything? You do like a high pass, like a low pass on yourself, and you just like shrink as a person. Rick Moranis of you. It does have a little bit of a 90s vibe, deeper shades of house. Deeper shades, Soki is Lars Barenroth's lady. Hello. Just wait. Gotta give me some. 
miss a good party. What about you guys? Oh yeah, very weird. Very weird not having one. I feel like I'm so rusty. I'm just gonna like jiggle. I'm not gonna know what to do. Just roll up and just wiggle it out. I think everyone's gonna forget how to uh, dance. <laughs> I was having a conversation with someone. They're like, no one's gonna remember how to dance. No. <laughs> It'd be like, yeah, robot. I think people are gonna go from like zero to turned all the way up, like way too fast too. Oh yeah, like one hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, it's like when, you, when your friend is day drinking and they like, by the time you even get to the club, they're like puking in the bathroom. Man, day day drinking is a rough one. It's always like it hits you out of nowhere because because the sunlight is out maybe you feel like you're not as drunk as you are until like oh. yeah you're holed over some garden after having like five mimosas or <laughs> or 15 mimosas yep. in which, like, I, mean, I cannot do a mimosa anymore I have been dancing at home someone just said dancing in hockey bear 82 said they were dancing in their chairs I mean I've been dancing at home I mean I like you know I dance with my kid we have a little dance parties here so that's fun and I mean you know there's we haven't actually done this with any of our live streams, but I definitely see DJs having like the Zoom like party line where people call in and they dance in the Zoom and that and they broadcast it. Yeah, it, it's a it's a pretty cool concept, I guess. Yeah, I've, you got you guys are feel Zoomers. Nice. Everyone's just a couple like, of Zoomers over here. I feel like um I feel like we should bring in King. Let's bring in King. Say hi to to Toki. He was just talking about you, so. Oh, hey, Here's our special guest, ladies and gentlemen. It's Kubrit. How are you? I'm uh, here in the outer reaches of outer space. Wow. I, so, I would, I would want to be there versus here right now. I'd tell you that. You know what? I just <laughs> I want to throw in there. I admire that you are out there in outer space, sans spacesuit. <laughs> no problem. You're just like. Moving yeah. and grooving, man. It's like I'm part he's of one with the universe. He doesn't that, need a spacesuit. Yes, he does. That's dope. <laughs> We're all just made of stars, y'all. Exactly. Yeah, to Hokey Bear, who just said he liked your background. That's not a background, Hokey Bear. <laughs> How are you guys? Good. Yeah, we good. Yeah, all good, man. All good. Always happy to be here for a schmooze. It's uh, it helps get through the week. That's for sure. Yeah, actually, it really does. This, this is our therapy. This is how you maintain social skills. <laughs> so when I look at my show, I'm like, cool, I still know how to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I mean, I was listening to you guys uh, a minute ago was hilarious, man. And when you were talking about projects as children, it's funny because when Josh Wink and I, we named the label Ovum, that's what we were actually thinking about. Mm. Because my wife at the time, when was pregnant with my daughter who's 26 now and you know it was like oh wait ovum the basis of life each project could be a you know it was just a, one of those kind of aha moments so when you said that i was like oh shit can i curse on this can i curse on this show? you can yeah okay cool oh we'll curse with you uh -oh. <laughs> look i got i got a uh, I, I'm trying to learn not to curse because my kid's just starting to repeat everything that we say. So yes, it's really yes. tough. How old is your uh, child? She's almost, she's almost two now. So it's uh, okay. Daughter. Beautiful. Yeah. Has she said anything bad yet? Have you caught no. her repeating something bad? Now she, I mean, she's repeating stuff. 
figuring things out. She says no a lot now. That's where she's at. Uh, Wait, but you your te- you told me your teacher told me Alma went into class and was like, I hate this fucking president. <laughs> and I was like, where is she getting this from? <laughs> You'd be like, good girl. Good girl. Yeah, good girl. <laughs> You're doing great. Oh, man. Wait, but so just so people know, there is a little connection going on between King Brit and, to- and Toki Monster. As we're going to get into a little bit later on the show, many of you know that King is now working at the University of San Diego as a professor of of music, Afrofuturism. What what is your so, official title? So I'm an assistant teacher, teaching professor in the electronic music department, so computer music. And uh, I came up with a new course. So I teach electronic music production recording but also i came up with a course called blacktronica afrofuturism and electronic music and um, basically tracing and and shedding light on all the people of color that have contributed to electronic music and where it is today including allies and i feel it's ex- extremely important uh this discussion in academia because it's it's left out you know, mm-hmm. so I, I go like last quarter, we go by the quarter system in that semesters. So last quarter, I had everyone from Carl Craig, Moore Mother, Juan Atkins, wow. Waheed, um, Julian Priester from Herbie Hancock's band, Dexter wow. Wanzell, uh, Greg Tate, Yatasha Womack, Shabazz Palaces, which is Butterfly from Diggable Planets as well, mm-hmm. Moore Mother, um, Ash Lauren. You know, everyone you can think of, I tried to get, you know, especially because quarantine happened, everyone was kind of available and it was a beautiful time to kind of, it was really amazing. Like Carl, I was like, Carl, you're home? He's like, yeah, I'll get on, I'll come on. So I had all these amazing, and I filmed everything, everybody. I had Four Hero, I had Goldie. What? Oh, man. Everyone. I saw the Goldie one, actually. The Four Hero one, I didn't, I didn't. Oh, you saw a little bit. Yeah, I put a little. The snippet of the Goldie one you had up, yeah. Yeah, I put a few clips on Instagram. Wow. um, So now I'm going to turn it into, I'm doing my first book. And so a lot of the interviews, I'm transcribing, making a book. And also a film, so I'm going to work on a film around the subject. But that brings me to Toki because I reached out to her recently when you said she's going to be on. I'm like, oh, yes. and uh, I feel that you are so important to this lineage because in I, I really focused on the LA beat scene heavily in one of the classes. And uh, and I, I kind of go chronologically. So once once we get on LA beat scene, last last quarter we had Daddy Cav, Georgia and Muldrow, and Lena Fornia. And so this quarter I have no such Kutma, uh, and I want you. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah. And I knew yeah. it wouldn't be a problem. You heard it here first, folks. I'm and not yeah, going no anywhere. pressure. Just come on the live show. <laughs> I'll like, be right no, here. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. <laughs> it's so important, though, that you you're really talked about in this context in academia, because what you've contributed is so important, and wow. especially to you know. And I don't want to get into the whole gender thing, yeah. But, but for female producers, especially here at the school, we mm-hmm. have so many female 
producers that I'm just, they, they, I get so excited because they're just doing the best. They're doing the most, right? Mm-hmm. And they all look up to you, man. They <gasps> all, Tokyo, oh, yeah, we love, we love her album, or we saw her DJ, or this and that. And I, I'm all bashful. Really good. <laughs> it really feels good, yeah. Because you know they're age, <laughs> especially the under the uh, the undergrads. You know they're like eighteen to twenty two. Mm-hmm. Like, boom, right yeah. in. That's your fan base. Yeah, it's uh, you know the whole landscape for. I mean, obviously the the context of speaking as you know, um, I'm aware of my identity is like we all should be because it's important to to yeah. understand who you are. What parts of you set an example? What parts of you are privileged and things like that? So, you know, um, I've come to terms with the fact that, yeah, you know, like I'm Asian, I'm female, and there aren't a lot. But if I look at, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when I started making music, um, I mean, I've been making music longer, but like going out into the ether and sharing music with people, there weren't a lot of people that were women at all, especially because, you know, the background is a bit more in hip hop and electronic so there's yeah. no female producer barely in urban music and in electronic music so now it's mm-hmm. completely different now there's tons of girls and i'm like yeah. y'all are fire right. you guys are going to put me to shame thank god you guys didn't come out to like a decade after i established myself you know it'd yeah. be hard i'd just be like flipping burgers or something right now but uh, i'm so happy yeah, to no, see you're so talented stop it King, King, take us back to like the '90s though for a second. Like, why do you think it was such a boys' club back then? Even the 2000s, even the 2010, like even when we came up, started touring 2010 to 2015. I mean, st- still very interesting. Um, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm gonna go back to say late '80s. You know, uh, growing up in Philly, growing up with. Jazzy Jeff, Fresh Prince, DJ Miz, Cash Money, like, you know, we all grew up in the same area. It's like, it's always been a kind of male machismo um, uh, thing, you know? It's like you go to the block party and there's the DJ and it just never was, it just never was a place. It didn't seem like a, a place for a female to kind of step up and get on the turntables but there were plenty of female mcs for sure i was thinking you just vocalist didn't hear a lot about yeah you, yeah you just didn't hear a lot about the female mcs on the same level but they were there they did exist but as far as djs it didn't come until say the mid 90s when i you got to give it up to dehoda you got to go oh yeah super jane's soup the whole super jane crew in chicago that was the first time I really visually saw on a on a level of kind of in in the the landscape of you know everyone's eyes in the rave scene. They were really putting it down and killing it. Heather still to oh, this day is one yeah. of my favorite. One of my, one of my favorites too. Technically, sure. her selection, just mm-hmm. everything about energy, black cherry. I ended up I ended up in the West Coast in or in near Los Angeles for for college the Claremont colleges and man oh. those years ninety nine to two thousand three Heather was such a favorite in Los Angeles at the it's tropical crazy. parties and and yeah. more shout out Ben and Nand and those guys yes but she it would just she would come regularly and forget it. we would take that drive 
in Boston every too. Time. In Boston too, early two thousands, she would play like you know every like three or four times a year at the the Sunday the Sunday house music party. She would always Man. come and do. And then you had DJ Cosmo, Colleen Murphy, you know, and she's she's living in New York and doing her thing, and then playing with Dave Mancuso at the Loft. Yeah. And so you had pockets of you know in certain areas you had female. I hate to say the word female DJs, but since we're on the subject, female DJs doing their thing. Yeah. But it definitely now there's no stopping about it. It's such yeah. a beautiful thing to see. You know, like in I think throughout uh, the entirety of my career, it's always been asked really often, like, um, you know, how does it feel being a female in a male dominated industry, like constantly forever. But, you know, the discourse changed within the last like four years or th three, four years where now they go. And what can we do about it? You know, that wasn't a part of the question. They just looked at it as like some like I was just looked at as just an anomaly. Like, what does it feel like? But no one yeah. pointed it out. Like, how do we change it? So there's more right. so we can change the landscape. And now people ask the press ask, like, OK, uh, how does it feel like being one of few? Uh, what do you think people, the press promoters, whatever, what can people do to uh, create a more even playing field for for all people? And it's not regardless of, you know, gender, you know, race, whatever kind of identity that you have, we just reap the rewards of a e more equal playing field because we get the most talent that way. You know, we'll hear the best music if everyone has an opportunity. Think, yeah, especially especially in music because diverse perspectives, diverse sounds are what help music grow the most. You 100%. Know? We need that cross-pollination. We need those diverse ideas. and, and But we, and also, we also need the the history to be taught and so that's why like i bring it back to black tronica giving the history of the beginnings of house music i mean i had robert owens in we talked about i had pierre in talking about the the beginnings of acid house you know and showing the lineage from the beginnings of house all the way to edm mm -hmm. because a lot of my students they're into edm but they don't know the context of how house and real techno, Detroit techno, how it influenced and where it came from, the socio-political context of it. And it makes you think about the music in a different way. It makes you think about music as liberation and not as wallpaper. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, I was gonna say, I was gonna say two things that, that that makes me think about. One is like the you you mentioned that it's important in the academic setting. This is we had two younger artists on um, earlier, or a couple of weeks ago, Ace, Mo uh, Ace Moma. It's Ace oh, Moma, yeah, Moma yeah, Ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, Moma Ready kept talking about, you know, how we need to canonize black electronic music, you know? Mm -hmm. Make it part of the canon, like jazz is, like classical music. It is now. That's, it is. And now, I mean, now we have a moment where it's, where there's this opportunity and such a big part of that is, is you know teaching this in an academic setting and making it really high, like showing how high culture this is high culture this is not just in a sweaty club it is the music is is it as important as jazz was or as hip-hop is you know Absolutely. um but the other thing also is there's all this I've, you know especially i noticed at the beginning of quarantine is there are all these ads popping up for master classes and classes on production right yeah and like everybody wants to learn how to be a producer Mm -hmm. But I would argue that equally as important is knowing your history, right? If you want Absolutely. to be a DJ, Absolutely. just as much as the technique is the knowledge and history, right? Like Absolutely. DJ, I always say like you can learn how to mix records in, in a month. 
if you if you practice every day, maybe even less for some people, right? You know, if you're a drummer, if you have if you have real real strong rhythm, boom, right, you can mix. But what are you gonna say with that? Exactly. Yeah. So I think context for music is so important. Like when like me growing up, I was like super like yeah Wu Tang forever, like just like this uh, hip hop head. But you know, I went to the university, so I went to UC Irvine, and oh, okay. for me going there and taking courses on you know like um like like hip-hop and african-american culture or something like that it's really educating for me personally because i was a nerd i like like i knew a lot of the context i think when you're a hip-hop and you're like true school like underground like golden era kind of person it was so important to understand like where did concrete jungle come from what did this mean what did this song mean to this person like where did scratch djing come from and where did the context of um taking like sample like funk samples like all that stuff totally. but yeah. you know but you know not everyone's like that now everyone music is surface level i just want to make the sound but yeah. it means so much more if you know the history and it resonates more because like when you know when you hear music with pe from people that understand the history even though it's not like they're telling you it's like you can hear it more because there's more respect for for where all that came from absolutely um, yeah, so I think it's good, you know, like if all it takes is someone reading a Reddit page being like, you know, let me explain to you the history of house or something like that. Like at least someone's doing something to share and, and learn well, and watch a program like this and hear all you guys talk about all this, like your amazing experiences in electronic music and um, showing respect for the past. And that's all we can do, you know. Totally. And, and that the authenticity comes out in, in that teaching as well, like in my electronic music production class, you know, I always start with sampling because I'm coming from sample culture. So I talk all about sample culture and the beginnings of samples, the first sampler, the Fairlight, who used it, Art of Noise, Ooh, yes, Trevor Horn, then go into Molly Mall and then the emulator and it show the 3.5 floppy disk like Oh, oh man! You know, like what's that? I just thought that was an emoji. We didn't even <laughs> <laughs> like no. We really use these. You know what I mean? This emulator is such a funny piece of equipment too. It's like the thing. Everything you got is you know you have to have a big binder because every one sample lives on a floppy disk. Yeah. As soon as you pop it in the machine, a screen pops up that says, "Hold on, this might take a while." <laughs> And it does. It takes like half an hour to boot uh, to boot up one sample. One sample, but, yeah. but once you're loaded, oh my god, it sounds oh, like yeah, yeah, it's like better than any. Well, I don't know, better than any sample, but it sounds it sounds yeah. fantastic. But you get the whole perspective of it all, and 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 you also get to they get to appreciate the how the access that they have just with the laptop. The power of a laptop or an iPad, it's its unbelievable, man, what you can just do yeah. when you think about it in the terms of music production history. You know? My like my iPhone is, I don't know, like 50 times more powerful than my very first computer <laughs> that was like this big. Uh, and the, the monitor was like this small, but the, the actual like entire thing was also this big. And oh, yeah. Tiny screen. Yeah. And let um, me, this is, could I ask one question? Toki, you're in this movie coming out. Yes. What is this movie? Uh, I heard about it from Hebery, uh, who does ma mastering in New York. Yeah, so, you know, this film is 
about it it's 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 a documentary so the documentary is kind of talking about the lack of females in electronic music and you know one of the tag points is you know the top five only out of the top 100 djs only five of them are female and i'm on that list i think i'm 99 or something like that made the cut yeah, apparently. That's a big but, deal. Being Mag Top 100, being on that on that is is like that's, I mean that is like the the widespread. Your name is known. Yep. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. True. Um, and so it kind of follows. I actually haven't seen the whole thing. I just got okay. It's, okay. Everyone screened it. I've been interviewed. They're like, "Have you seen the film?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> so I just got a link to watch it myself. So I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know it's. It'll be an important message. I mean, I'm not sure what everyone else talked about in terms of their experiences, but um, it was important for me to share what knowledge I had and opinions I had on my experience. Because for me, I'm a clear example of someone who worked really hard to make it. Like if you want to talk about American Dream or whatever, I've had to overcome quite a lot to get to where I am today. But I don't think just because I got to, like I made it, that anyone else has to work this hard. I think that like if I can do some whatever I can to create a more even playing field for everyone, we'll have a brighter future. So, you know, having the conversation, having this documentary, it's pointing out that there's an issue. It's also pointing out there's a solution. And I'm not about just complaining. I'm I want solutions to problems that we have. Like all the problems Amen. we have in society, we need solutions for them. You know, we can't just keep bitching about shit. You know, so someone has to figure it out. Johnny has the trailer, actually. Uh, producer Johnny has the trailer. If we want to take a quick look, it looks like underplayed is the is the name of the documentary. Yes, and for one second, I forgot. <laughs> so I, was trying to, I was like, shit. I hope someone else brings it up. I forgot the name. So it's called Underplayed. We've been missing Bigged a up voice. By the Toronto Film Festival. And we don't even know what that is. Wait, is that true? You were in like a studio with these other producers and like they really didn't listen to your ideas because you're female. And they're like, yes, that is what it's really like. It can't be because I'm a woman. That's why you're not giving me these opportunities. But then it always proved to be that situation. Why haven't women done it? Well, they have done it all along, but they've been invisible. I never had seen a female DJ at the clubs ever. Nada. Hardly any women. Maybe I should have posted more pictures of me in the studio so people know I'm actually here doing all the work. I don't like to talk about it a lot, but there is definitely sexism in the music industry. It's almost like this hush-hush, taboo subject. So many people doubted me. Oh, Toki Monster, she didn't even make that. Her boyfriend made it. Oh, you guys just boost her up because she's a girl. It's not just shit mix. It's you should kill yourself. And this is the stuff we get. But I'm a tough girl. <laughs> and it really just put fuel into the fire. We're tapping into something that wasn't possible a decade or two ago. Yep. Let's just like take a second to think about how messed up it is that I'm actually headlining this venue. Damn, like that's really insane. The newer generation is so free of a lot of the shackles that we felt. And that makes me feel like we did make ground. 
I would rather be someone's 20th favorite producer than their number one favorite female producer. I deserve to be in the same category as everyone else. I'm glad that I didn't listen. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't give up. Great trailer. Great edit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is big. This is major. It looks yeah. really well done. I'm like terrified to actually watch it. I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I don't want to see. That's cool. Like it was like playing with my modular. I think Yeah, you know, I like the look of that modular wallet. This is serious. Man, I haven't played with it for like the entire COVID. It's been on the floor downstairs because I've like had to move around my place. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's important to show women with technology. I think in a lot of ways, you were saying there are a lot of female vocalists, singers, guitars, and bands. There's never been a shortage of women in those areas, but in as engineers and yep. in production, there's not a lot. And I think a lot of that is maybe the like something so ingrained in our culture that has steered young women from trying more technical, mm -hmm. um, technically driven like hobbies or careers and things like that. But now it's different, like. There's so, like little girls that are like drumming all crazy, making beats, and they're like yep. 10, you know? Yep. <laughs> and so um, it's Great. just a different, it's just showing that, yeah, some people will use the argument like, no, you know, sometimes there are just more male engineers and like female women are not oriented in that way. The women would rather be caretakers. But if you see the landscape changing now, well, then why are there so many more female engineers, you know? It yeah, takes no, a, lot of, a lot of caretaking to make a great record. Oh hell yeah! You know Little, I mean? Remember, be ugly, you gotta love your ugly babies you gotta love too. Those ugly babies. <laughs> you gotta love your ugly babies too. Um, I think I got to go. You guys. Yeah, right, Toki. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll free well, you from this from this live stream. I wish I could. Sale, so. I wish I could stay here longer. It's personally. all good. <laughs> what you got? You got another movie to film, Toki? No, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to see me in a movie. It'd be like the worst. I don't know. Do you ever wonder, like? I'd probably uh, be a you're terrible pretty charming. Actor I think this is going to be great. Congratulations. That's huge. Bye, guys. Yeah. Bye, Resort Show on Thursdays Thursday. at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's right. Cool. And you could check out our brand new remix of one of her tracks. It just came out last week. Yeah. yeah. Get me some. Yeah, check me it some. out. It's on it's all out. the th it's on all the things. Platforms. <laughs> all right. Get those things. Wet ass plants. <laughs> Bye, you guys. Peace. Peace. Oh, she's dope. Yeah, that was great. That's cool, man. We're wow. to have a little crossover for you two. Perfect. Um, I mean, perfect segue. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, welcome. Welcome, King. She's confirmed on film. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Now you can, when she's like, well, I'm actually busy. You can be like, actually, you said yeah, you don't, you're just sitting here with nothing to do. We know I, what's I going have on. <laughs> she's super cool, man. It'll, it won't be a problem. So anyway, we're here. Yeah, welcome, we welcome, welcome. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we got a great, great intro to your class. I wanted to kind of, I mean, there's so much to talk about here. Um, I, yeah, I second that. It's a thrill to have you. Yeah. Once again, man, we've been we've been wanting to get you on since we first started the show. You were like oh, in our you were in our DJ uh, top one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're like you know because we're 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 we love you as a as a human, getting to know you through as a colleague in in our industry, but also you know we're we're a couple fanboys. So, <laughs> so look, yeah, King. I mean, King has King has you know he first. Found out about King Brit via Ovum Records, which you yes, mentioned. Right. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Maddie Brookman. Yeah. yeah the wonderful yeah. Maddie Brookman. 
I had shout it. out shout out to um Josh Wink, of course. And and a funny fun fact, my cousin went to Brandeis University with Maddie Brookman. Really? And that was one of the early connections. <laughs> yes. When Maddie used to let Eli and I into the oven parties when we were just little whippersnappers <laughs> yeah, yeah, at WMC. Yeah, yeah. Like we got our Paul Frank, Yo. our Paul Frank Ovum shirts. Oh, this is and uh yeah, we were totally, you know, like ah Maddie. And he's been he's been a sweetheart to us ever did since. You, so did you go so. to living room parties? Yeah. Yeah. Room? yeah. Yeah. Parties. I know. Yo. Yeah. Crazy. Those are, I mean, will it ever be that way again? I don't know, but you know, maybe. So Eli experience. and I were having this conversation. You know, he was mentioning so many venues might be, you know, are, are most yeah. likely sadly going to be closing. Yeah. But, you know, as, as soon as some stuff closes, it's, you know, but it's going to be someone else coming back. So maybe of Philly, I mean, like our, our another mutual friend, uh, Fitch, Michael the Lion, um, you know, he's got a, gotten more on the academic side as well, doing all this work. Uh, with the nightmares and kind of coming up with policy suggestions around nightlife. And I had a long conversation with him a few weeks ago, um, basically saying that looks like, you know, from, from all the work he's doing, we're looking at potentially 90%, losing 90% of independent venues around the world, which yeah. seems, I mean, it's a big number, but it seems realistic. So we're facing yeah. something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but back to, Back yeah. to the good old days <laughs> when we had clubs. So yeah, I remember, I really remember clubs, guys. I really want a little bit. I want a little bit of just like background and just like like a good story of you and Josh meeting. What it was like oh, in man. Philadelphia. Great question. In the in the you know in the early rave days and when you started Ovum and like what was what was that like? So oh all right. So you know I was born and raised in Philly, uh, Southwest Philly to be exact, and. You know, I grew up in a household. My parents were into record collecting and going to shows. And so my dad owned a barbershop. He loved funk and soul. My mom loved jazz and vocals and avant-garde jazz. So she knew Sun Ra. We used to go to Sun Ra rehearsals and all of this. What? Yeah, as a kid. So wow. all of that said, I grew up in with music all the time, 24 hours, blah, 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 blah. And so you know, through school, whatever, whatever. High school is when you hone in on what you like. You know, I started getting heavy into electronic music. So everything from Depeche Mode, Scritti Politti, Art of Noise, all of that. And also the kind of shoegaze stuff. So Cocteau Twins, This Mortal Coil, all of that, 4AD music, guitar music. And um, so that was high school, you know, making mixtapes or whatever, but never thinking about DJing at all as a career or anything like that. Then I went to Temple for advertising. And so I was going to go into marketing and advertising. And while I'm at Temple, I used to see this guy, you know, young Jewish kid with, with locks. <laughs> hey, who's this cat, man? Blonde locks, man. And my best friend, one of my best friends growing up was Blake. Uh, DJ Blake from Philly, well-known in Philly. And uh, it was his roommate. And, you know, Blake was like, he was kind of in the punk rock scene, but also in the, the electronic house, early house scene in Philly. And I was like, Blake, I want to meet this guy, man. Josh, man, he just seems cool, whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I haven't met. Da, 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 da. So they were doing like these little parties, little warehouse parties. They weren't big 
raves yet. They weren't, they were just little gatherings. So I used to go and I was like, okay, he's pretty good DJ. He's playing some stuff. And then at the same time working at Tower Records, I started working at the the new Tower Records in Philly. And so I was the 12-inch buyer. So I'm buying records, literally, Plus 8 just started, you know, um, KMS. You know, I'm talking to Derek May. I'm talking to Kevin Saunders. All these cats on the phone ordering records for Tower. So, you know, this is like that early, you know, the early, early times, you know, Transmat, like all the stuff coming in is white. Puzzling up. Totally. And I'm talking to For Hero in England, getting their first releases, Mr. Kirk Nightmare, you know, just all of this stuff from all over. And I'm getting it at Tower. So word had gotten out to all the DJs like, oh, King's over at Tower. So Josh comes in and I don't know. He, he was a little arrogant that day. And he was like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm looking for another. And, you know, at Tower, you couldn't really listen to the records. Like certain record stores, you could listen. But Tower, we didn't have it set up that way. So he had to go by my suggestion, right? I was like, yo, you got to get this record, man. Japanese. Da, da, da. And so he got it, whatever. He came back. It was the worst record ever. He was like, dude, this is the worst <laughs> record ever. Like, <laughs> I paid eight ninety nine for this. Uh, you know, I would like to exchange it. I'm like, well, we don't really do exchange. <laughs> and that was our meeting. Wow. From, that, from that point on, man, I was like, so what are you really into? And then we started naming groups, and it, it was just like chemistry, boom. And um, yeah, so at the same time, I was making these demo tapes. So I was collecting keyboards. I had a Moog and whatever. So I had a little studio in my apartment and I was making demos and I had sent it, sent one demo out to this new label called strictly rhythm. Mm-hmm. And then this other new label called nervous. And so I sent demos and Gladys Pizarro calls me and she's like, Oh, you're King Brit. Is that your real name? I'm like, yeah, I love this, this project that you sent me. I would like to sign it. I'm like, okay, cool. That same day I was talking to Josh and he had just got a drum machine and he wanted to get more into production. And so Josh was like, you know, we were talking about collaborating. And I was like, get on this record, man. Let's do it. Let's call it E-Culture. So Tribal Confusion, that was our first record together. And his his ex-girlfriend uh, at the time, Kristen DeLeo, who lives in Boston now, she rapped on it as well. So we put, like, the kitchen sink in it. We sampled Tears for Fears. We sampled African Head Charge. You know, added baseline. Used that's a weird album, the African Head Charge. Oh, dude, all that. My life in a in a hole in the ground or something. Oh no. Okay, so you're thinking of Brian Eno and uh, David Byrne, "My Life of the Bush of Ghosts," which is a phenomenal record. My life, okay, of ghosts. Yeah, but African Head Charge, they had like other things, which is Gary Clail and um, Adrian Sherwood, like kind of spaced out dubbed cool out stuff, African music. Yeah, yeah. but regardless of all of that like it brought us together as a production team we just started releasing records and then about a year later i met butterfly from diggable planets and then i went on tour with diggable Ooh. and josh went on tour with himself and higher states blew up and then we came back together in 94 to start our label which was oval so I want to pause. I want to pause here because first we got tribal confusion ready to bring up. Oh, okay. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, let's, roll that. let's roll that johnny oh i haven't heard this and oh yeah this is a guy I, I didn't have it on the initial list i i overlooked this but yeah i, I love this one <laughs> a wild track so there's here's the fear Shout out to Influential Goat out there in Minnesota. What up, Minnesota? King Derpy, good luck with your ethics class. King Derpy, appreciate so you stopping in. Ooh, that bass, that bass line is just so warm though. Yeah, I'll break it down for you. Hey, DJ3 in the house. Oh, DJ3. You know, DJ3 was playing this down in Tampa when this came out for sure. Wow. Here, this is wild. I gotta break this You know, I, I mean, we sh- we also should not forget that DJ Three is our guest next week. Mm, so please come oh, back. Okay. That's September eighth. I think that's why I, I jumped the gun about twenty minutes ago, saying something big on September eighth. Yes. And that's because I was excited for DJ Three. X twelve. The ammo does work. A lot of people tuning in, loving this stuff. Let's um, Johnny. Let's turn it down in the back, and I want to so, break down your first sense and what you were using. So yeah, man. Like, <laughs> so nine oh nine, real nine oh nine, which I should have never sold. Oh wait, here comes the rap. Oh, wait, all right. Next, it's the next. Next four. Here it comes. This is Josh's extra. Well, okay. We gotta put the. We gotta put the rap. Because, uh, it's amazing. I didn't realize Josh was was dating Roxanne Shante. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, can you turn down just the hair? Yeah, let's bring it down, Josh. Just the hair. All right, cool. So, yeah, you know, we used 909. Now, back in the day, everybody used the TX81Z, which is the Yamaha. Um, it's like a one rack unit, mm. and. It's called the Lately Bass. The Lately Bass is on every single house record in the early 90s. So for those who want to jump on eBay right now, you could probably get it for like 100 bucks, right? Wait, was it TX what? TX what? TX81Z. TX81Z. And it's called Lately Bass. Every single record. Doug Lazy, all the early house, all mm-hmm. Morel records, all that stuff was all TX81Z. And then uh, the sampler we used was the FZ1, which 
the reason I got it is because I had heard Toa Tay was using the FC one. So I, I went and got an FC one. Uh, and then, um, Drum machine was Josh's. He had the R R five rolling, mm-hmm. and then uh, we heard the Tears for Fear sample, and then that that's uh, African Head Charge, which in fact sampled a good friend of mine who actually used to be in Shabazz Palaces. His dad Tendai Mayari, who brought the Embira over to the U.S. Anyway, full circle. That's a whole other story. How I found that out was crazy because we were in Zimbabwe working on an album and he pulled up his dad's like reels and that part came on and I screamed at the top of my lungs. You all right? Did you get bit or whatever? I'm like, no, bro, that's your fuck. That's your dad. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I sampled him in the windy. He's like, what? Where's my check? No, he didn't say where's my. Yeah, where's my? Where's my check? I was gonna ask about. I was gonna ask about that. Like, did was strictly rhythm licensing of samples, or that was oh, just come like, on? Put it out. Nah, just put it out. Really, yeah, this wasn't. It wasn't at that level yet, as yeah. far as uh, yeah. sample. You know, yeah, yeah. This is like eighty nine, ninety now. You're good to go. Ninety two, then you're starting to have some issues mm-hmm. after the Bismarcky thing. That's mm-hmm. when uh, sample clearance became a bi- big issue. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's wow to hear that again. It's crazy. And then that pad sound was there was a group called Neutron Nine Thousand on Profile Records, and it had that beautiful pad sound and was open in the beginning. Mm. I was just like, we got to sample that. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Threw it in. It was just like the kitchen sink song. Nice. Everything. You know, you know, it's funny when we were when we were residents at DC 10, I remember we had we had like we did a bunch of they made us play a lot of opening sets. But there was one time we had like closer to prime time on the terrace. And I was like, this is the fucking ultimate DC 10 terrace song. And I played it and everybody was like, which is why, you know, I realized at that point that dope music does not work on the terrace there. It was just everybody just playing beat you over the head shit. And people got so used to it that like. It right. lost the- but I will tell you what is big on the terrace. Contemplation. Oh, that one yeah. Will always kill, yeah. That is a big record, man. That's a big one. And the yeah. story behind that, bro. Wow. You'll never believe that, man. So come on. I don't know if the people know the song, but I did a remix. We got that one ready to go. We're going to pull out the video for this one, too. Talk about it a little bit. We'll get the video up for that one. Okay. So this song. Contemplation, uh, King Brit Funky Remix. Josh One is the artist. Uh, he's a guy out of L.A. He does more reggae stuff, like dubby stuff. And uh, a girl I was dating at the time, they were friends. And he was like, can you think King will do a remix for me? And she asked me. I was like, ah, I'll do it. And so there wasn't a, like any real budget or whatever. That's not him, by the way. <laughs> I thought this was this was really this funny. I found out looking for this video on YouTube. It's like with found footage. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't fit the song at all. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't. so. I did the whole track, forty-five minutes, and it's my biggest remix I've ever done. What a yep. monster tune! Crazy dude, forty-five minutes. 
Turn it, turn it up, Johnny. Sometimes Let's the best ones just come rolling out quickly. So that's the nine. Oh, sorry, that's the uh, Just down that head in The vocal is from the original. That's all I used from the original. All, it's all empty. Smoke, it's a mini mode, sampled into the empty, and then played on the pad. I'm turning, I'm turning up. I'm turning my volume up. Yeah, right, that bass line, man. Woo. But the key is making the strings go with the bass line. So bringing that Philly soul sound, how they used to follow the big one. The strength of Ohio, one of my productions. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Never knew it would be that big, man. What is this fool in the video doing, though? Is he like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Like, what's going on here? I have I've never seen this shit in my life. It's what's so up random. This, what's up with this peacoat duster too? <laughs> it's so random. I actually like the coat. <laughs> is he looking at some kind of embalmed? Maybe he's looking at his mind. Oh, Ooh. he's contemplating something. <laughs> but big mix, man. Big mix. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, we all know that. We know this one. I just want to give people a taste, yeah. taste of that one. And I wanted to also have the Diggable Planets okay. Rebirth of Slick oh, video ready because that kind of, you know, it brings kind of that moment because it has all these Philly luminaries now. There are now Philly folks who are now were then and also now luminaries in the jazz club, right, where they're at. Yes, yes. So yeah, let's let's Johnny, let's switch it up. Let's bring Wait, up the diggable. Can I press pause for a second yeah. though? Because like about ten minutes ago, we were talking African head charge, and I dropped a title, and King Brit's like, "Nah, that's not the one." And the and you, and I'm like, I started sweating. I was like, "Am I am I freaking out here?" Because I have the record; it's behind me somewhere. But I went and and I hit Discogs African head charge, my life in the hole, in a, a hole in the ground, 1981. I thought you were. You were referring to my life of the bush of ghosts with Brian Eno and David Byrne. So my, uh, my and I was like, shit, I'm getting all confused over here. <laughs> but that now I'm looking at the Discogs, and this is their first album, 1981. There you go. That's not the one we sampled though. <laughs> but 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 big well, up. It's you you know check out African Head Charge, y'all. That is some strange experimental dub meets tribal meets yeah, 80s amazing. big sound it's it's something yeah. anyway sorry continue so yeah for this diggable one king i need you to tell us everybody who's in the video when they appear right <laughs> uh, of, course, of course i mean you know there's butterfly <laughs> lady i wonder if it's just the is it just the video is quiet on youtube huh Doodlebug, Philly. He grew up Philly. Butterfly grew up Seattle. Wow! So the this is Maryland. shot in Philadelphia, or shot, this is this is New York? New York. Yeah. yeah I was about to... 
there was this little club uh, in Soho that we, we got. We like the breeze, blow straight out of our lids. Them, they got boo bodies, hard rock Brooklyn kids. Us floor rush when they DJ booming classics. You pick the man. Is there, I saw Josh in the background. Link in it, DJ Dazria. This is one of one of music and pop culture's great crossover moments where the underground and hip hop and dance. I mean, everything's just the '90s is just so dope because everything's just hodgepodge together. You know, it was a great time. Won the Grammy. There we go. Who we should pause on that one? He was on I was about to say he's like he's half time in it. <laughs> Lars, Lars from Deeper Shades, Lars, saying, yeah, yeah, saying back at the Mojo Club in Hamburg, it went, it went down. Yeah, oh, of course, I played there a few times. Amazing. Ooh, Jamiroquai in, in the pot on the pile. I love that. Love oh, there, there's King. Can we get freeze frame? <laughs> talk, talk, let's talk about that beanie. <laughs> We floor rush when the DJ play the classics. That line is so good. Incredible line. Ah, this is awesome. This DJ Dazia, but it was dark so you can Yeah, everyone's in this video. Good times. I love the all Japanese backup band yeah man it was just the it was just the vibe you know perfect for the video we went to japan not too far past that time beautiful perfect song man so cool so when you were touring with these guys yeah king what was you know can you give maybe some stories or like what 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 it, what did it feel like what was the energy at that well, time first, you know did you warm them up or did you go right in the show no, no i was in the group so we were a band can you hear me yep. yeah so we were we were actually a band so i was the turntablist in the group so the turntables were instruments it wasn't like i was just warming up as a dj um so you know this is before cdj's uh so we we pressed up all the samples and instrumentals on vinyl sorry on acetate mm -hmm. so for the first six months i only had acetates dude like i'm <laughs> trying to scratch on acetates and then like skip in and all of them um, and so soon when we got the budget, we got to press up vinyl. And you know, we had to press up a minimum of a thousand at that time. It, it's not like now you can do on demand. Wow. DJ does it right there. And so, you know, we had all the instrumentals on vinyl. And I would cut in all the instrumentals, all the kind of samples underneath the whole band. And so we rehearsed over and over and over. And remember, no CDJs, no Serato. This is all vinyl. You're just needle dropping. Um, I'm cutting right in yeah. 
all the samples, all the beats, everything had to be like right on cue. Well, so like if you look at old videos, like there's one of, of us on our senior hall show and all, you'll see me cutting the beats like in with the group. Um, and it was, it was great to pull up Johnny. But then there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a moment in the show where I would do like a mega mix of old school hip hop, uh, which was more like a DJ set, which was fantastic. So I do like, you know, eight bars of each song and just like back and forth type of things. And it was a great time. Um, but touring with Diggable, man, it was a magical time to tour the world with a band like that and have the budget to kind of support it as well. You know, so yeah, it was, it was dope. You you said that there was a thousand copies pressed up of those uh those instrumentals yeah. and acapellas yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Where where uh, where are those at these That's days? A great question. <laughs> They're around. I mean, people people collect them. They're around, and I gave a lot of them to friends. Like Charlie Dark, actually from Attica Blues, just pulled one up the other day. He like sent me a, a JPEG. Like, yo, check it. You know, um, they wow. appear. They appear. They they pop up around. So. I still have a box. King, let me, let me take you back in time because I just had to go and look up who, who was on the Arsenio Hall show that day. And uh, the internet is telling me it was Rachel Hunter. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. And, Chris, and Chris Rock in, in uh, do, doing stand-up. I don't remember seeing Chris Rock. But. So sayeth the internet. This would have been March of 1993. 93, yeah. And the footage, I think the footage, I mean, you don't need to pull it up. Oh! Uh, I don't think I'm on this one, actually. I don't think I'm, I might be on it. Please give it up for Diggable Planet. Oh, yeah. Damn. Oh, wow. The Dave. And it goes like this. Can I get a taste? Can I get a taste? Can I get a taste? Can I get the hands, the feet, the brown baby tree, the fems but don't, don't yeah, wait, that's not King. Right? Is that you? I don't remember this. Oh, you really see like how they, their swagger has increased so much from the from that video for region to like this they're just like uh. before they, it was much more like yeah deliberate now it's just all out there yeah. confidence Remember, I think we were, wasn't it during a winter music conference, Eli? We went to the Diggle Branch reunion show. Oh, yeah, show. the reunion show. Yeah, oh, man. I was. That was at Vagabond. Was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That was a real amazing moment to be there. I mean, like like Charlie said, I mean, one of top three favorites, if not the favorite hip hop group, both of us. 
I think if you if you say that diggable is it like you know like we're saying oh did we love it. I think you you got to be into a real particular breed of hip hop. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I would just remember Blow Out Home, like just listening in depth, and still actually have that in, in my in my car in the CD player. I still have that CD for for like a month straight. I just listen to it on repeat, and like I can continually do them. that because it's so there's it's so deep. There's so many layers to those samples and and the vocals, and just like it's just like it's the spaciest, funkiest shit in hip hop, for real. Alan. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So dope, man. Memories, man. Memories. So then you came back to Philly after touring with them and you and you and Josh started Ovum. Ovum, yeah. The first record we put out was with uh Ursula Rucker. Yes. Which that acapella is probably one of the biggest records in dance music history. Like, let me take you on a journey. Yep. Every single DJ in the world has that acapella. So dope. And this, what's this? This is Supernatural, right? Yes, yeah, Supernatural. Yep. But um, yeah, we did that. And then I left Ovum in 2002. So after I released uh, the second Silk 130 album, which we were signed to Sony, I just wanted to produce. So I didn't really want to be in the label as a label head anymore. And so I got out of that and just went crazy remixing man everybody from miles davis to solange you know to calvin harris and emily king and just really a fun fun journey up till now you know something that like really has always struck me about your music is like you've you have many different sides or many different eras in a way almost of your yeah. music right yeah. From that, like being Diggle Planet's DJ, being rooted in hip hop like that, but also, you know, the the rave the rave sounds with Josh early on, yeah. but then the Silk One Thirty, like get really getting in and exploring, you know, soul neo soul in the early days. Yeah. Um, through to like you know, and I wanted to really this is this is like a good segue because Floss and Paradigm. Oh. Is, yeah. A totally, totally different thing. So you can, when you came out with that, I was like, okay, this is a totally, totally new exploration. And well, for you, I'd love to see that and like that whole hyperdub thing. But then also, I mean, how did you end up there? But then I I guess it's a separate question about about Afrofuturism. Going back to that and talking more about that. But let's let's talk about how you ended up at that Floss and Paradigm project. So Floss and Paradigm, you know, I get the name kind of from uh, the Fifth Element, the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it was Floss and Paradigm. Exactly, exactly. So I'm a huge sci-fi fan, which if we want to talk about Afrofuturism, let's let's start there, okay? Oh, let's start there, yeah, I guess, because that so, kind of went into it. So for those who don't know the term, you know, Afrofuturism is basically the intersection between uh, mythology, science fiction, science fact, the African diaspora, um, literature, music, all at, at that intersection and how you envision the black future. Okay. And so what I focus on in my class is the music. So the envisioning a future futuristic sound through you know, the African diaspora lens, but pushing that to further 
advance the music. So that's where Detroit techno comes from, the electronic side of it or drum and bass. We don't need to get into a class right now, but that's the kind of gist of it. So that term came to be in 1994. Mark Derry had an interview with Greg Tate, Tricia Rose, and uh, Samuel Delaney, who's a fa fantastic sci-fi writer, uh, actually lived in Philly. And, you know, that term Afrofuturism, that was the first time anyone heard it. You know, it was in a, a paper called Black to the Future, and it was this transcription of this interview. And but even before then, people like myself, black nerds, we we looked at sci-fi and looked at you know uh, space as as where it should be. As Sunrise would say, space is the place. You know, you look beyond this world to another world because you know our people, the struggle that we've gone through here. It's like there's got to be somewhere somewhere better than this. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying. We're not even gonna go. We're not even gonna go there right now. I, I can't even process that right now. Just from all that happened this week, it's really heavy week. But looking at the future, you start to it starts to creep into everything that you do creatively. And so, as an Afrofuturist, which I own it now, you know, when when the term came out, we're like, ah, oh, yeah. But now that it's part of the pop culture lexicon. It's a good way to identify, you know, for people to identify, oh, okay, they're into that trajectory. They're looking at the future. They're trying to look at things and how are we going to change the future with this knowledge, right? And so musically, that's how I look at things. And so Flust and Paradigm is a perfect example of honing in on a kind of sci-fi sonic response to what's going on around me and so uh hyperdub was the perfect label for that hyperdub is out of england owned by code nine which he always puts out incredibly you know forward thinking uh sounds he's also an academic as well correct exactly yeah, yeah. Hey, see, did your research, bro? Yeah, no, I mean, he's, you know, I love, I love Hyperdub, and off, I mean, like as a DJ, it's not often music I can play. There are some really special tracks that they've released. I always try to pay attention because there's, there's tracks that kind of cross, can cross all, totally, all yeah. boundaries that they do release over time. Yeah, but you know, this whole, you know, the the history of of dubstep and and the split yeah. of black electronic music in the UK is something that I've kind of dug into recently by a friend of mine, uh, T. Williams, who kind of ran me through oh, this, okay. this perspective yeah. of like how, you know, dubstep, I mean, so you had drum and bass and then you had UK yeah. Garage, you had two-step become this super popular music totally. that then kind of morphed into these two underground musics as response, right? You had grime, which was like, you oh. know, the UK initial, UK rap, which is now, you know, pretty globally known that style. Yeah. Um, which I need to cover, actually. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Bye. yeah. We're gonna have we're gonna have T on test T William. Oh, which you need to cover in your class, of course, and we should also cover here at some point. Um, but so then you had dubstep, right? Which also had you know similarly black roots, but also. Mate, what about Sublo? What <laughs> Sublomatic? What yeah. about yeah. Sublo sub and Esky Beat, mate? Subgenres, subgenres of the subgenres we're getting into here. <laughs> but you know, like dubstep became the music that was more latched onto by the white audiences in London, right? There was this overtly yeah. racist policy that you had to say who was going to attend your event. Mm -hmm. 
in your when you were permitting your event yeah um in london in the in the early 2000s and i think it continues actually to today um but so therefore this dubstep music was safe whereas grime was totally marginalized yeah and dubstep then became the main roots of edm and a lot of these you know white dubstep producers that came after the initial wave of yep. code nine and the, and some other innovators yep. ended up being stars in edm and making millions of dollars kind of because of this discrimination absolutely um, thank you so this is something i mean hype that's why i think that has to be mentioned when you talk about hyperdub because hyperdub is what managed to kind of create its own space code yeah. managed to create his own space for black cutting edge future music in a way that mm. I, I it's a unique label in that way oh man it's unbelievable dude and the stuff that they're about to release now is like crazy dude you know um dj haram from philly mm. 700 bliss i mean come on it's crazy scratch anyway but yes um Back to Flowston Paradigm. So it's, you know, I looked at it as a, a soundtrack to a sci-fi film. Mm. You know, because I've I've dabbled in soundtrack work, Miami Vice, and all of these different things. And my dream is to do a soundtrack for a sci-fi film. I said, what better way to practice than to do some records under? Wait that? a minute, what, you just casually skipped over Miami Vice. I, I'm I'm school me. What's going on there? You worked on on the new oh, Miami Vice. Out on film, yeah, I did. Uh, oh, wow, twenty scenes. Underscore. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Amazing. Michael. Yeah, worked directly with Michael Mann on those. That's so cool. That's incredible. It was pretty cool. Yeah, Michael, <laughs> I did some commercials for him too for Rolex and uh, yeah, for Rolex. Yeah, it was nice. But um, yeah, so f that's. One of my favorite projects is Foston Paradigm. We and have the, the video. We have the video. Um, oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My boy Zach did that video. Killed it, man. Wow. So let's bring it up, Johnny. I want to. I want to show this one and also just kind of show, like, you know. How long is your show? <laughs> uh, we, you know, we usually go like about two hours. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Long form. I figure. <laughs> you know, we could always go longer than that, but it feels like uh, nah, that might be a good length to limit it to. Yeah, yeah. And this really it feels like right now. This video. Oh no. You guys predicted it. Well, we've kind of been going through this loop since 2000. Right. Exactly, yeah. 13. True.
it's incredible when when dance just says it all. I was know? just gonna say Oof. when you guys were talking about dance, how important dance is to the feeling of freedom mm. you know um and the combination of movement and sound and how sound affects the body it's so important man um and so the idea behind that video is like the finding freedom in movement and wow. and finding a safe space within the dance yeah mm-hmm. which we can go back to the history of creating house music and disco music and creating a safe space mancuso creating the loft the 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 way people dance and they say oh that's lofting you know mm-hmm. there's that freedom that combination of kind of ballet meets uh street dance mixed together in one space and there was that freedom nobody was judging you and there's there's the power in that man. There's power in movement, and uh, I bring that out a lot in my class. Mm-hmm. I want to ask sonically, like I mean, I know as as a consumer of your music, the difference between a Silk One Thirty track oh, yeah. and a and a Flowson Paradigm track. But like yes. as a producer, like where where does your head go before? You start Thank recording, you, and what's the difference? Fantastic question, brother. Um, I guess that's why you have the show. Um, <laughs> no, but for real though, it's very int- it's very very good you asked that about this particular project mm. because with each project, it could be Silk One Thirty, it could be Scuba, it could be you know, there's certain keyboards that go with it so like with flust and paradigm i'm you know i got so much stuff right it's like i can't use it all and so i pick out three key keyboards or machines to use specifically for that project hmm. and so for this project it was the roland jx3p it was the moog sonic 6 and the hmm. dr110 that drum machine that you heard, DR110. Just those three keyboards for the whole of that record. And then I overdubbed a few things on top of that. But so that's what separates each project for their own sound. Silk 130s, more roads, more soulful, like 70s vibe, more live instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Scuba was the JD800 Roland. Oh, pads lush pads underwater sounding remixes you know like the david um the gus gus remix or whatever you know all that stuff's like really underwater kind of so each each thing has its sonic characteristic which comes from the technology itself so just like pierre we were talking to pierre in class you know you know he got his first 303 for 100 bucks man i was like get out of here <laughs> they didn't even know how to use it man he was just like we were just moving the knobs and figuring it out and there's a go. weird one to program yeah 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 and there you go acid house pierre a king future you know what i mean so the technology a lot of times dictates where you're gonna go 
but also you can't let the technology take over the humanness of it all. So there's that fine line. I forgot which guest we had on the show. We were talking about why, why are we doing why are so many aliases back in the day? And this is such a great technical technological answer for why to use aliases. And, uh, but also on the marketing side, you know, certain people get used certain your, a lot of your supporters get, used to you as oh silk 130 or as a certain pseudonym and then if you deviate from that eh, i don't know about that record you know what i mean and so if you start another kind of a new name there's you don't have that kind of um history oh yeah that name you know what i mean but now i think it's different now i think now with artists like fortet or floating point you know artists who they're so eclectic and they can do kind of any genre but it's still under their name mm. and i think i'm at that point now where i can just go under king brit for anything but before i think i had to do all these different wait sorts. a second you i still do i still do some music that you just that you just put me onto you just put out that's uh there's they're under an alias i did now this was it was an experiment so I had started the alias 10 years ago, and the alias is called Soul Litchfield, which you know those little games you get on Instagram. It's like name your street you grew up on and your your first dog or whatever. So like my first dog was Soul, and the street I grew up on was Litchfield. <laughs> was like, I was like, oh, man, Soul Litchfield sounds dope. you know. So that'll be my alias for like beats, just making beats. And the reason I brought it back, um, I was doing this experiment about Bandcamp because I'm so sick of Spotify like taking artists' money. Yep. So I wanted to see an artist that had no, you know, just starting out, how it would be like, what would the landscape look like just releasing on Bandcamp with no press or whatever behind it and how far it could go and that sort of thing. But then it got revealed that it was me and then it spoiled the That's whole thing. <laughs> you actually just, um, you reminded me that we didn't, this was actually our Bandcamp song of the week that we were going to do. Oh, oh, here we go. Yeah. Really? Um, the Bandcamp song we're of the also, week. You know, we're also huge fans of Bandcamp. Oh, Bandcamp. We want to encourage people to go and consume music yeah. there and buy the music and support the artists that they love, especially... Absolutely. In these times when we can't play live shows, which is such a big part of our income. Um, so yeah, I mean, this was this is a this is great because you also have a video for this one as well. Yeah, it was so, fun yeah. to do because I was in, you know, under in COVID, you you got like extra time, and I'm like, yo, let me do a video. And so <laughs> I was watching the Warriors, I'm like, wait, this would be perfect. Yo, shout out to your font. Yo, that font. Yeah, that's fine. It's just everything. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Uppercase is just. I. I'm a gold fiend now. Thank you.
<laughs> that was total perfect, Leon. Coffee. My favorite were the were the roller skate gang. How the heck those guys get up up and down the stairs on the subway? Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, yeah. so so what did you learn from your experimentation before it was uh, tainted? Before your, your the research was tainted by everybody knowing the the alias did it. Did it was there a reaction? Um, yeah, I mean, it did. It did. It it did all right, you know. And um, was there a, a label association or not really? But there's a whole beat. There's a whole beat community, as you know. So mm-hmm. if you follow Diabasi or, um, you know, Flo. Hey, hey, look. <laughs> or uh, hears me at some point in the show. And yeah. bangs on the door until I let her in so she can yeah. say hi. <laughs> hi. How, you How you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> Got a lot of hair. Hey. Yeah. Hey. That's what's up. You like the video too? Yeah, exactly. See what you're saying in baby speakers. Warriors come <laughs> out and play. <laughs> baby. Exactly. Baby, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Well, uh, wait. So, so what were you? So, there's a beat community on on yeah, uh, a whole beat community that you know on Instagram and on um, Twitter, and you know it fell right into that into that community and with open arms, and it did well. And wow! But then it got revealed. It was you know whatever. It didn't matter. But what we started was this dialogue on Instagram. Or sorry, on uh, Twitter, and basically we're like, look, we don't, we need to take control back from Spotify and title. Listen, I love Spotify as a consumer. Like, mm-hmm. I love it's like I have access to everything, and as an educator, if I need to pull up anything, I can pull it up as an example. Blah blah blah. But as a an artist, they're completely. They're completely ripping everyone off. I mean, they're billionaires and they're, you know, the share is just crazy. So what we came up with was like, look, give Spotify, Spotify version of your album. So say you had 10 songs on your album, Mm -hmm. just give them two songs. So you're still on Spotify, but you're not given the whole thing. Like the people that really support you, they're going to come buy your record at Bandcamp. And we're seeing it a lot more. Interesting. Because Spotify really doesn't care about albums. It's really all about singles for it's them. It's all about singles. It's yeah, we run into this all the time where there'll be like a great piece of music, a great original, and then somebody, you know, either in the label or administrator is like, well, we need a radio exactly. version. And I'm like, okay, I get it. If it's going to Pete Tong and he wants to play a condensed version and we can get right. some run that way, but it always, just as a producer and as a DJ, and as a, it just drives me nuts, man, because you always end up with this like, compacted version of right. something else especially if you're making a longer format song right you know feel so if you look at spotify as a marketing tool instead of a platform that you're going to make your living on then you'll change your whole trajectory of how you do things 
And so it's like, okay, I'm going to give them two songs. It might get on one of those playlists, which definitely help. Yeah. You know, bring an audience to you. But I'm not going to give them the whole song, the whole album. I spent too much time on that album. This is really interesting. And I want those supporters that really will support you. It could just be a hundred of them at, at, you know, 10 bucks or whatever. That's enough to, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's more than you're going to make up the Spotify, regardless. I think people got to hand, especially producers, DJs got to, they got to figure out how to uh, open that Spotify royalty calculator and then just went to town be like look at that look at the number you know because right. i mean my goodness when it when it adds up it really adds up yeah and it has its place but we as artists we are in control and we need to harness that control i think a lot of artists forget that we're in control we don't need to put the whole thing up on there that's really but interesting people feel yeah. that they need I have to put it on Spotify. Like, why? We've got, uh, you know, we've got, you know, not to sneak, not to leak too much info, but we're working on a new album. Oh, good. Okay. Um, good. We've got a, a new album signed to to Fool's Gold that's going to be coming oh, yeah. out. Yeah. Man, For sure. Man. Shout out to Fool's Gold. Shout out to Catch bro. Dubs and A-Track. Man, um, but this is interesting because we're in that in that part of the conversation to figure out how and what and where and who and does it do this way and that way so yes I, and ben, I, i'm inspired um, by this kelly kelly just just chiped ch just uh dropped in the chat it's this friday is Bandcamp friday so this yes, is, it is always once a month first friday of the month if you buy music on Bandcamp, 100 percent of that money goes to the artists and labels yep and so, do it and the do new post and paradigm out friday whoop, whoop. Right. yeah that is dope. I want to shout out bustinparadigm.bandcamp.com and follow and you'll get you'll get the and you'll get the notification when it drops. Yeah. I'm just while I got you here, I want to shout out another one of your aliases, which is the Nova Dream Sequence. Oh, you know. Okay. Oh, that is just like if anyone oh, that's into that like one. sort of I don't know what to call it, just just uh soundscape. Yeah, that was oh, man, yeah. cool stuff. You know how to came about was kind of hanging with uh Derek Derek May. Ah. And um just immersing immersing myself into Detroit techno at that time, which I was always into it, but hanging with him, I was hearing like production things. And uh so that's where that came from. That's where I got into Nova Dream Sequence. What it also kind of reminds me of like like I mean direct going back to Afrofuturism and like Drexia. Yeah exactly in, aquatic aquatic space sound totally what, what kind of studio uh production tips did you get from derek may that's a um not nothing like out of the ordinary just certain machines that they were using you know like the juno 60 you know certain little kind of nerd details you know, nothing like too crazy I love but derek actually just we just talked yesterday he's going to be in class that's how do we get access to these lessons man or i guess we're gonna have to wait for the movie or for the book right well it's next year so i'm working <laughs> next year i'm working on well i'm working on it now so it'll be an online course next year so you'll be able to take it uh take the course amazing 
Yeah. We're waiting for you know your curriculum about uh, Jewish Jewish DJs in the industry <laughs> for, for us and Josh. I actually to- know. <laughs> I actually know them all. <laughs> Even Matt. Did you know Matt DJs? Matt Brook- Matt Brookman is he DJing? Bro, he no. I mean, he the whole time. He's like a closet DJ. Like, oh, phenomenal! Oh, I didn't know, man. Dude, very cool. He's so good. His um, his he's really in a vocal, like powerful, soulful vocal house. Hey, I'm trying to get him. Oh, she's beautiful, bro. Thanks. Good job. <laughs> Takes after the mom. I heard of my wife. oh my god this is great there's a there's a fine balance between letting her in here and her destroying my computer and microphone oh no i know (laughs) (laughs) yep exactly Uh no more homeschool yeah i hear you She's actually she's starting school on next week. She's doing a she's doing like three and a half days a week. They have oh, it. We cool. live in upstate New York, so it's like oh nice safer than the city. Right, right. Um, and and so yeah, we I'm I'm in school. My wife's finishing up a a grad program online too. So we oh that's we out time. here for 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 right. the first time we're doing that. So that's what's up. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Well. This has been beautiful, man. Well, we love having you on. We covered a lot, man. Wow. Yeah, I do. I do want to touch on just quickly. I mean, like, just you know how we can. You touched on this at the beginning with Toki. You know, with like more, more shine for female artists, and and we're almost really sabotaging my. Uh, she's she's screwing up the whole flow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're for female artists, and also, I mean, with your class, you know, shining light on on black and African American artists in in dance music because you know these roots are something that maybe have been overlooked. Actually, for the, not for just the, the recent past. You know, like what are what are things that we can bring back to our to the community and to the industry that we need to do? Um, I mean, it's better. First is um, acknowledgement. So you know all the artists that have appropriated the sounds to acknowledge that, oh, we grew up listening to Detroit techno or we listened to Pierre, you know, and not just taking the sounds. Um, also to, to really investigate the history, like to, to bring the history to the youth. So like I just did a podcast with uh, Electronic Beats you know, mm. the media, the, it's really important. Like the media needs to step up and they need to step into the role of bringing that history to the people. You know what I mean? Because that's how it got lost in the first place. You know, they were putting certain faces on the covers of magazines when it should have been the people that actually started the music, started the genres, started those sounds. And there's that in show the authenticity of where it's coming from and not how far removed it is. You know what I mean? So the media is extremely important. Shows like this where discussions are taking place, 
you know, this show is extremely important. Your fan base needs to know where the music's coming from. Yeah, thank you. History, uh, gender, race, you know, all through time. But media, the press, it's extremely important that they get on board, which it seems to be that they are. Like I did Electronic Beats or like Ash Lauren, she's doing her thing. YG, you know, uh, you could see even with technology, Teenage Engineering, they just did this amazing partnership with Underground Resistance. Uh, yes, and I've seen also on Wajid's Instagram that they're exactly. they're all linked up. And they're doing a school. Wajid and Underground Resistance are doing a, a college now, like a school. Wow. And so that's in the works. So, you know, so shedding light on all of this. Wait, sorry to sorry to pause you. When you say that they're doing a school, yeah, they're they're building the school. Like exactly. they are, building. you know, got exactly. their hard hats on, yep. building the school. Yeah. <laughs> they got the building and they're they're, you know, framing everything out. It's amazing. So as yep. DJ Three just said, uh, he said, elevate. Yeah, it's all about awareness. It's all about access too. So making sure this information is accessible to everyone but also all the young people that are coming up now we got to make sure that they know the importance of this music like half the young people have no idea like detroit techno was the soundtrack to the to the coming down of the berlin wall hey you know so the berlin walls coming down and you had the youth from the east and west coming together and the soundtrack to that was you know Juan Atkins and those guys, you know, it's it's wild. And there's this parallel, there's this parallelism between Detroit and the decay of Detroit and the decay of Berlin. And they absolutely, they resonated together, which in turn, Trezor came out of that. And then they started bringing the artists over and then there's this cultural exchange. So with all of this music, sociopolitical context, it, it gives you a better appreciation so when you hear it in the club. You're like, damn, those beats, that's out of like concern. That's out of like intention right there. That's not just, oh, drag and drop a loop and I'm making a house track. No, nah, there was meaning behind those songs. And that's why they're timeless songs. So that's all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, when I, when I think about, recordings and um the why a, a vocal would strike such an emotive chord in a listener yeah. i always like kind of draw a parallel between the emotions going into the microphone as data packets being recorded and then spat back out and that's yeah. why the power of the language or the mood that's conveyed when recording is resonated by the listener but it's totally. interesting just like how the emotion of a dance can be extracted from watching it i think also these Absolutely. techno songs and the you know whatever is going on in the minds in the eighties in Detroit could yes. be, uh, exist in an instrumental. Yes. And, and also, you know, when you talked about vocals, when you were describing what you were just saying, mm. I always go back to 
um, La India and Louis Vega. River and Ocean. River Ocean. Yeah. yeah. Love and happiness. Love and happiness. Nobody. Listen, La India. Woof. The how she affects the body, like her vocals, like where she hits those notes and how she delivers, man. Or we could talk about Robert Owens. I'll be Big your friend. Up. Yep. We love Robert. You know, had him in class. It was un I couldn't believe it. You know, it's just like holy. wait, didn't we perform together at the nineties? Yeah. I believe he was on yeah, the bill. Yeah. Yeah. We got a shout out that uh, uh the we did a nineties <laughs> electronic music revival show. We called it the Yo Yo nineties rave That's jam in London. King Britt was on the bill. Robert Owens was on the bill. Ashley uh, Beadle. Ashley Beadle. Yeah. Was, uh, uh, we had Matt from Cold Cut. Rob Mello was yeah, on the Matt. bill. Matt was the man. Cold Cut was on the bill. Yeah. And who we were sleeping on someone. Oh, Martin Liberty Larner. We had to have the, the Martin garage, Larner was the garage on, on there, too. Uh, yeah. But okay, we had another great UK, a big. No, that was, you're thinking that there were two. There were two. You're thinking there two? I'm hodgepodging yeah. them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, as I do. Great events. Though. That's what happens. But yeah, the vocals, man, like just music in general, man, like whew, the most powerful medium known to man. The human voice. It's true. Yeah. But also just in general, music in general, mm. you know, don't even need to know the language, bro. Mm -hmm. Just feel it, you know? For sure. So those are great parting. Those are great parting words. Um, thank yeah. you so much for, for, like, for coming up. <laughs> you know, producer always gives us the like, okay, let's wind it down when we're close to two hours. So we got to keep it moving. Exactly. Well, thank um, you for having me on the show. I know it was all over the place. I mean, if I was an audience member, I would have been it's a schmooze, man. It's a schmooze. We're just schmoozing, you know? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, as an educator, I'm always kind of like, I got to bring it back. I got to be pinpoint, you know, these hey, programming, points. man. Yeah, it makes exactly. a great, a great lecturer, teacher, as well as exactly. DJ. <laughs> it's also this is how we DJ, right? We're just all over the place. Oh, yeah. what, that's what makes a, that's what makes a soul club set what it is. It so. is. <laughs> Maybe on the better nights is when we come together, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. But yeah, well, thank you, thank you so much for for your work as um you know as an educator though it's it's great to think that there will be generations of students coming out of your classes with a better sense of what's going on and and you know we're big we're big history buffs when it thank comes you. to educating and making sure people oh, I know, know you. Yeah. where where they're coming from when like they're out at uh you know electric. Daisy land and they're exactly loving it. Why are they loving it really? You know, right. beyond the uh like bells and whistles party, like the 90s. That was a total sure. history, that was an in-person history lesson. Yeah, it was yeah. unbelievable. You need to do another one. Well, we virtually. Well, we you know, we try with the, we do these e-funk parties, House of E-Funk, which we started in Detroit, and oh. uh it's kind of like the bigger, you know, it's hard to just do 90s, right? We want to the bigger picture as well so i think for through our lineups we're always trying to 
to have these history lessons. And we're doing it virtually too. So let's have you come perform at a virtual. At a virtual ready. Love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have All, right. A, yeah. Well, All right. Much love, King. I'll Much love. You. Thank you. And uh, tell Milo, I don't know if he's still on, but uh, give him my best, man. Milo, uh, DJ3, the man. I think he's on next week. Yep, that's right. One of my favorite DJs. I used to go to Gainesville all the time Whoop. to play at Simon's, and uh, that's where I first heard him. And I was just like, "Damn, this motherfucker is on it." Oh, is your still <laughs> in the room? <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, man. Um, <laughs> you can Venmo the swear jar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, three man. man. All right, yes, I'll talk to you. Oh, there he is. Oh, he's there shouting you out. Yep. Oh, that's, that's, our, that's a great plug. Thanks for the plug for next week. I don't even have to mm -hmm. say anything. We don't even have to say anything. Yep. DJ Milo. Oh, DJ3 Milo. But we can say DJ Milo, too. But um, <laughs> incredible human, by the way, as well. Not Absolutely. Just, see, that's the thing. Like, the music is a reflection of the person. But also, you know what I mean? And yes. vice versa. And so you can feel the authenticity when he plays. It's deep, man. It just, it it could be six, seven hours set, man. You're just not going to leave the dance floor. Mm -hmm. That's magic, man. It's hard. Yeah, to, it is hard, hard work. All right, guys. Talk Great. to you later. Thank you. Thank you, King Britt. All right. All right. Take care, man. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. Yeah, great. this is going to be a great show next week. Just more plugging it, plugging it, because I'm so excited. Um, yeah, Chris Milo, DJ3, one of the founders of the rave movement in Florida. Yeah. Florida. Shouting out Tampa. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of history. The man is a is a walking encyclopedia of interesting facts about music and culture and a pro schmoozer. If he's Long a great coming. DJ... He's even better at schmoozing. It's true. Long time coming to the show. So this yeah. is a, it's another another first time, long time. For sure, for sure. All right, we'll wrap it up, move on to the vinyl thoughts. Eli, we got a couple options. I wanted to play something off of uh, When the Funk Hits the Fan, which was King's first album on Ovum. As Silk 130. As Silk 130, which is like, late 90s mid to late 90s 97 98 something like that there's only he's got credited as the japan mix which is sort of a down tempo and then there's also a quest love remix on there i, I narrowed it down to those two what what That's do you think cool. i mean i, I want to hear what quest love was was doing on a on a king brit record on ovum in 1997 all right you got it boss all right, everybody. Well, Charlie, Charlie, peace, peace out. Peace out, guys. See you next week. Um, for vinyl thoughts, I just want to say stay strong out there, everybody, and keep paying attention and make sure to register to vote. You know, I'm going to keep, keep telling you that every week. If you haven't done it, hit ravethevote.org.
Yeah. 